You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And today's show is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. And Chargers fans are lucky enough to be able to watch Justin Herbert, rookie phenom, but Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Before we get started, we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write about the Chargers for the LA Football Network. But we've been covering the Chargers together for over five seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly. And now this is our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Welcome back to all of our loyal listeners and a special thank you to anybody who is checking out the show today for the first time. We have a great show for you guys because once again, you guys really brought it with your voicemails. So on today's show, we're going to be getting into voicemails in the second and third segments of the show, and we're going to be talking about if Shane Steichen and Anthony Lynn's philosophies as far as play calling really coincide, options for the Chargers they could potentially go after in the offseason, maybe even Josh McDaniels, and we'll also talk about whether we'd rather draft an offensive lineman or a corner in the first round of the draft, but we're going to start with the news that one Chargers writer came out with an article talking about four replacements potentially for Gus Bradley if the Chargers decide to let him go at the end of the season. So it's never too early to start searching. So let's go ahead and get into it. Chargers defensive coordinator Gus Bradley still has his position on the team, but one Chargers writer has come up with four new names the Chargers could go after if they decide to look in a different direction. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogemeyer with your Locked On Chargers lead story. One of the Chargers coaches whose seat has been the hottest so far this season is Chargers defensive coordinator Gus Bradley and Jason Reed from BoltBeat.com has come up with four replacements for the Chargers at defensive coordinator if they decide to go a different way during the offseason. And I think this comes, David, because Gus Bradley, especially recently, his team has not performed well, as it talks about on here. The Chargers have allowed 29 or more points in six consecutive games, and Bradley continues to throw the same defenses out there, even when a rookie like Tua is saying that they know everything that's going to come at them defensively, which is not something you want to hear. But the first two options are names that I think are more well-known throughout the NFL. And the first one is Matt Patricia, who is currently the head coach of the Detroit Lions. And the other is Raheem Morris, who is the interim head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. So what do you think about those two guys as potential Gus Bradley replacements? I mean, I can understand wanting to bring in some guys that have a little bit more of a pedigree and wanting to switch some things up. But whenever you have any coaches from a Bill Belichick coaching tree, you have to be very careful to discern if it's Bill Belichick pulling the strings or if it's the coach that's actually the one that's making the difference. For Matt Patricia, in in four of his six seasons as the defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, they were 14th or better in takeaways. So he does have a good line of success there with taking the football away. That is something that the Chargers have been very bad at and need to get a whole lot better at. So maybe he could come in. If he gets fired as head coach of the Lions, 
he is someone that could potentially come in and help for the Chargers. And as far as Raheem Morris, he has a lot of experience coaching in the NFL. He has 18 years as a NFL coach, but he only has one year as the defensive coordinator this year for the Atlanta Falcons, as well as the interim head coach. And although the Atlanta Falcons are 3-1 and one during his tenure as the interim head coach, he still needs a little bit more experience being the head guy in charge on the defense. A lot of experience in the NFL, but not a lot of experience as a D coordinator, Daniel. And when you're looking for a new defensive coordinator, it's kind of a tough task because we're either looking at head coaches that just got fired, which was the case for Gus Bradley when he was brought into the team, or you're going to be looking at another positional coach that you could be elevating at, to a defensive coordinator position. You're probably not going to get somebody else's defensive coordinator. But Matt Patricia, just thinking back to the defensive coordinator time in New England, I mean, finishing in the top 10 in scoring defense in each of their six seasons is definitely a pedigree that sounds pretty good on a defensive coordinator resume, but how much of that was the defensive mastermind Bill Belichick. But let's get into the two other guys. I think they're less well-known guys, even though both of them have spent time as defensive coordinators in the league. The first is Ted Monachino, the Bears senior defensive assistant and outside linebackers coach. And the other one is Terrell Austin, who has been a defensive coordinator for a couple of teams. So are either of these names looking good to you as someone that could potentially step in for the Chargers? You have to get creative when you're looking at trying to find new people to come in to be the defensive coordinator. I think the Chargers have tried some big name guys and they have not really had a lot of success, namely with Gus Bradley recently. He had one good year, and he's progressively gotten worse year after year after year. So with Ted Monachino, you know, he was the defensive line coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars for four years, and he also spent two years as the defensive coordinator of the Indianapolis Colts. But those teams were really bad, and, you know, it showed in the stats during those times for Ted Monachino as a defensive coordinator of the Colts, they were 30th in yards allowed both seasons. And so that's definitely not a ringing endorsement for him. But you also have to look at the collection of talent or lack thereof for the Colts. And they definitely were very bad. This was before they went in and drafted several guys and spent some money to bring some better players. And they're in a lot better shape now. And as far as Terrell Austin is concerned, there's a little bit of familiarity there with Terrell Austin and the Chargers. The Chargers brought in Austin to interview for the head coaching vacancy back in 2017. So there's already a little bit of a semblance of a relationship between those two guys. And he does have some more uh, defensive coordinator experience. He has five seasons as a D coordinator. And he had one of those seasons where he allowed the third fewest points in the league. Although all the other seasons, he did not rank higher than 13th. So Terrell Austin has some more experience as a defensive coordinator. I wouldn't mind them bringing him in to see what he can do. The one thing I do know is there absolutely needs to be a change, and it needs to be very quickly. And I don't think at this point it's going to happen until the end of the season because if you're not going to be fired after your sixth consecutive game by giving up 29 or more points, what's going to make you think after the seventh one that's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back? But all of these guys are guys that have some experience as defensive coordinators in the NFL. But like you talked about, it all matters about what kind of talent you have on the field too, which is what Gus Bradley would point to as far as missing a lot of his talent 
so far this season. But at this point for the Chargers, the defense is not responding. They're playing well in certain halves and not in other halves, even though the same team is out there. And I think the Chargers just need a different voice on the defensive side of the ball, someone that's going to get them to be more aggressive, get more takeaways, knowing that they don't have the talent to maybe do it in the traditional sense that Gus Bradley keeps thinking that they can. But we do have two more segments to get into because we have all of our voicemails to get to. So we're going to be talking about whether Shane Steichen and Anthony Lynn are cohesive with their play calling and philosophies. We'll be talking about new head coaching candidates and much more coming up right after this. But first thing I need to tell you guys is that since the quarantine started, there's one thing I've been doing as far as getting exercise, especially when I can't go to the gym. And that is on my Echelon bike. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and the all-new Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill, too. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of your own home. And there's just something about watching an instructor on your TV or on an app, wherever you're watching it, and just having them push you through these workouts. I mean, you will be definitely tired at the end of them. Their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio level classes. And right now you can try any Echelon Fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Just go to echelonfit.com slash NFL. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash NFL. All right, guys, what's well, time to get into our voicemail segment? We have a bunch again. I think we had 15 voicemail called voicemails called in this week. So I definitely want to say thank you to you guys. The number, if you don't know, is 323-524-7924. But we have a bunch to get into today. Let's get started. This is Joe from Jersey calling back in. Let's see what he has for us. Hey, guys. Joe from Jersey. Second call. You can delete that first call. Uh, kind of uninspired, kind of tiring. But um, I think uh, the feeling that I get after watching the game or watching this season is that um, our head coach, our defensive coordinator, I don't know if it has to do with our special teams or not, but um, aren't really matching up scheme with our skill set. I think our team is much more talented than they're showing. Anthony Lynn today tried to run the ball like crazy, and Belage was was good. He wasn't great. He was good. But I don't feel like Keenan Allen got enough touches. Michael Williams got enough touches. Hunter Henry never gets enough touches, even though you speak about the targets and whatnot. I don't think Hunter Henry's being used nearly as good as, as much as he should be. Um, we've got some skill players that just don't seem like on offense um, that get used enough. Even though we're scoring enough points, I know you're liking uh, Sykin's game plans and whatnot. I don't know. I just don't feel like Anthony Wynn's uh, scheme or personality matches, and I think that's getting very, very tiring from my standpoint of watching these games. Um, we do show brilliance at times, and then we look absolutely awful defensively. I think we got more. I know we have injuries to Bosa. I know we have a, you know, Murray's a rookie. Um, I know we're missing Derwin James, but the scheme does not match our skill set. I think we've got more, more talent there, and it doesn't show up, especially in the running. I mean, I mean, the run defense. Um, we just don't look the part at all. It gets worse and worse and worse. This game, we weren't even in the lead, and. We never even look like we're going to get there. But I think, I'm like I said before in the first call, which I asked you to delete, uh, I just feel like a tired, tired season. And it's only, you know, we still got six, what, six more games left. Um, so frustrated. Your thoughts. Thanks, man. Go Bulls. 
So I do think this is a good question, David, just because I think that obviously we've seen Gus Bradley isn't doing the most in what he has out there talent-wise defensively. If you don't have as much talent, you got to switch things up a little bit. But I do think there is some stress just because of what Anthony Lynn wants this team to be offensively and what Shane Steichen might want to see it be offensively, maybe a little bit more finesse because they're not a very physical team. What do you think about those two guys and their philosophy and how that might be affecting the Chargers' offense? Yeah, I, I definitely know that Anthony Lynn wants to be the bow-up type of guy. He wants to be mm-hmm. physical. He wants to run the football. He, he wants to run it down people's throats. But the Chargers aren't that type of team. They just don't have that physical presence on the offensive line. We haven't seen it. And Shane Steichen, I do believe he wants to you know throw in some more wrinkles. I think you see some of those trick plays that come out a little bit little more uh, every single week. So I do think they have a difference in philosophy, and I feel like they need to get on the same page. And they also need to realize what type of team they are and what type of players that they have. And we've heard Anthony Lynn say that Shane Sykin is the one that is calling these plays. But you can see Anthony looking at those sheets. I mean, you know that he has some input at what they're going to try to do offensively because he thinks of himself as an offensive-minded head coach. But we have Roberto calling in from Mexico. Let's see what he has for us this week. Hello, guys. This is Roberto. I'm again from Mexico. Okay, so since we all know, like, this season is finished. Uh, we need to start looking forward to the next season. So I want to know what are your thoughts on how we need for the next season. And not only for next season, like, I want to know what you guys think about how can we make this team great? Like, what what also do we need to, to, to get better? What decisions do we need to upgrade? What are your thoughts on that? I want to know. And uh, thank you guys. So, I mean, when you're looking at all the improvements that the Chargers can make, I mean, it starts, I mean, with a lot of different things, David, but if you're taking a very general view of what the Chargers need to look like next season in order to try to turn things around, what are you thinking? So three things for me, I'm going to keep it very brief. One offensive line, they need to get another premier tackle. They need to really spend some high draft capital to make that happen. Corner, we don't know what's going to happen with Casey Hayward, and they just need to add more to that position and also pass rusher. They need to get somebody who can get after the quarterback. Those three are positions they absolutely need to improve on. Yeah, I think so too. I think the offensive line, it's not a total rebuild because you have some guys that, you know, Brian Bulaga signed on a three-year deal. Trey Turner is good through next season. But Dan Feeney, Forrest Lamp are both unrestricted free agents. You're going to have to figure out what you're going to do with Sam Tevy, who's been better this year, but still not good. I think it's a something that has to be built in not just one draft, but several drafts. And I think they need to start building that new offensive line now. And I don't know if that's something that can be fixed from this season to the next, which is what concerns me most. But health is going to be the biggest thing, just trying to get all these guys through into the next season and let it start with all of them being healthy, I think, will go a long way for the Chargers. But we have Deuce calling again from Las Vegas. Let's hear what he asked for us this week. What's up, y'all? Deuce here from Las Vegas calling in once again. First and foremost, I want to say thank y'all, as always, for priding us with this platform. Uh, don't want to spend too much time commenting on that trash performance that we put out there today. Um, I don't think that there's any way that Anthony Lynn can save his head coaching job at this point. So I wanted to get you guys' take on a few candidates uh, that I wanted to, you know, get your opinion on. Uh, obviously, I know you guys like Eric Bieniemy, and I know that you guys like Solace out of the 49ers. Wanted to get you guys' take on Ken Norton Jr., the defensive coordinator from the Seahawks. You know, UCLA guy, has an intimate understanding of the AFC West as he used to play for the Oakland Raiders. Um, also wanted to get you guys' thoughts on Keith Butler, um, you know, what he's doing out there. 
in Pittsburgh with that defense. Uh, I would love to see Kenneth Murray be that sort of Ryan Shazier type that he likes to put in the middle. And then finally, I know that this one might be a little bit out there, but, you know, it's such a bad season that I think us Chargers fans have the right to indulge in a little bit of fantasy. So I wanted to get your guys' take on, you know, maybe getting Josh McDaniels. Uh, I would love to see him, uh, you know, come out to the AFC West again and have someone like Justin Herbert under him. So um, once again, appreciate everything y'all do. Bolt up, baby. So the the name that makes me laugh here is Josh McDaniels, just because I want none of that. I mean, we've seen what the Raider, the Patriots offense is now that Tom Brady's gone. And obviously they don't have a great quarterback. They don't have great weapons offensively, but I can scratch that off right there for Ken Norton Jr. I mean, he's allowed more than 20. He was worse than 20th as far as points per game allowed in only once in his six seasons. So that's not great. The Seattle defense has been bad. The Raiders' defense with Ken Norton Jr. is bad, but Keith Butler makes some sense to me. The Seahawks obviously have a really good defense. I don't know his pedigree as far as him being a head coach for the Chargers, David, but I think out of that list, that was the guy that stood out to me. Yeah, definitely. And I've been on record as saying saying that I want a defensive-minded coach. I'm tired of these offensive-minded coaches that we've seen, Norv Turner, Mike McCoy, Anthony Lane. I'm looking for a guy with a defensive-minded pedigree. That's what I want. More physical, more you know, a, a lot more physical. That's just what I'm looking for. Yeah, I think physicality will be big. And just how you play defense. I mean, the Steelers play defense. I feel like the way most teams wish that they could play defense. But let's get to one last caller here before we get into our last segment. This is Brandon from South Florida. Let's hear what he has for us. Hey, Daniel, this is Brandon calling from uh, South Florida. Uh, thanks for giving me the number through the through Twitter yesterday. That was much appreciated. But... Gotta say, man, seeing the Chargers in person, losing to Miami like that, that was heartbreaking. Between the special teams and the muffed punt, K.J. Hill letting the ball go all the way down to the four-yard line, it was painful, and Dolphins fans were ruthless, man. Uh, gotta say, though, uh, even though Justin Herbert wasn't his best statistical game, I'm still not out on him yet. Every rookie has one of those games, and for him to be doing as good as he has, of course he's going to have one of those. And then last thing, a uh, huge question as our record shows, we're probably going to have a high draft pick in the next year's draft in 2021. If we draft anybody, would you rather draft a offensive lineman to help protect Herbert, or would you do a cornerback to help us out on the defense? Uh, thanks again, guys. Uh, only been watching and listening for a few weeks, and got to say it's now part of my daily mo- my daily thing. I got to listen to it every day at work. And huge shout out to you guys. Thanks again. Keep it up, good work. Well, it's good to know there was another Charger fan out there, not just John Kegley at the game, but I'm sure that was a rough one to go to in person. But I do want to focus on one thing here. Offensive lineman or cornerback in the next draft, David, in the first round, where are you going first? I mean, offensive lineman. I think that's the biggest one for me. They, they've neglected on spending premium draft talent on, uh, excuse me, premium draft capital on the offensive line. They need to do that, and they need to do it in the next draft. I think for me, it depends on who you're going to get and where you end up selecting. And we'll talk about where the Chargers will end up because obviously that's very much still in the air. But I do think, I mean, if you have a chance for a guy like Penny Sewell, I think you obviously take him, no doubt about it, if you're that high up. If there's not someone there that really fits that need, I mean, I just don't want the Chargers to reach for anybody. But, I mean, obviously I would rather the Chargers go 
you know, with an offensive lineman, the only thing is, is in the last 30 plus years, the only lineman they've drafted in the first round is DJ Fluker. But I do think obviously Sewell's a guy that can definitely change that in a hurry. But we do have some more that we need to get into. We'll talk about whose seat is the hottest as far as the Chargers head coaches and where they will end up adding up in next year's draft. And we'll talk about maybe the Chargers sitting down Joey Bosa for the entire season. We'll get into that after this. But first, I need to tell you guys about the best protein bar on the planet. And I'm talking about Built Bars, which are back and better than ever with 18 amazing flavors, including six new flavors, lemon almond cheesecake, caramel brownie, and cookies and cream, as well as apple almond crisp. That one is really, really good too. But for me, it's all about taste. And if there's a protein bar that's really healthy but doesn't taste great, I'm not going to eat it. So that's why I love Built Bar so much because not only do they taste great, but they're all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy. It's great for if you're on a keto diet. If you're trying to live a healthy lifestyle, you can do it with Built Bars. And right now, if you guys go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into some more voicemails here, and we have a lot more to get into, including maybe potentially sitting Joey Bosa for the rest of the year. But we're going to start with Ivan coming out of Fontana. Let's see what he has for us. Hey, fellas, how you guys doing? I know tough losses. Ivan out of Fontana. <clears throat> I got on uh, I got on about a, a week ago. Missed last week. I was meaning to get on there. But uh, listening every week, you guys put some good, uh, good listening on for us uh, now. For my question slash comment, uh, who is getting let go first? Uh, you know, it's kind of been up in the air. I feel like maybe they might not. They're going to get rid of Stewart, most likely. Uh, but who's really, really in the hot seat is Bradley. Uh, Lane is obviously a top choice because he is the head coach. I like him. I like his background. But uh, I don't know if they are responding to him. Also, um, 2021 draft pick, who we get in? Who's it looking like? Are we going to stay at the number five pick? Or are we going to win some games and maybe uh, move down the list? Thank you, guys. So as far as hot seats go, I mean, I know there's some people that think, you know, Tom Telesco, maybe not even the coaches could have the hottest seat underneath him. But I think right now it's Anthony Lynn for me because I do think that if he really wanted to, he could have different coaches as far as keeping Gus Bradley a defensive coordinator, keeping George Stewart as special teams coordinator, when I think obviously maybe getting rid of those guys could help him keep his own job. So I think all of those guys are really on the hot seat. But I think Lynn, just being the coach of all of these guys, probably has the hottest seat just because of all of these performances. But at the same time, I could still see them, you know, maybe having George Stewart and Gus Bradley being scapegoats. That's exactly where I was going to go with it, Daniel. Honestly, I think he could easily say, you know, both of those guys are the problems. And if I bring in somebody that is going to perform better, then I can keep my job and, and right. I can be the head coach longer. So I think that's more the more likely scenario. I think George Stewart and Gus Bradley are both going to go before Anthony Lynn. Yeah, you know, that's probably right. I kind of changed my mind on it on the fly as I was kind of talking it out. But the other thing I even wanted to ask is if the Chargers will stay at the fifth pick or if they'll end up going any lower than that. I do think the Chargers will win a couple of more games this season. David, I mean, quickly, how how many games do you think the Chargers are going to win the rest of the season? Just a rough estimate. I mean, it's hard to say it's going to be a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the next seven games. I'm thinking they can get about three of those. 
I think three might be on the high end just because of, I mean, I have no faith against them in their division. And that's three of the remaining seven games left. And a couple other of those are the Bills and the Patriots who are bad but just beat the Ravens. I mean, there's a lot of games the Chargers are not going to be favored in besides this Jets game. So I think they win against the Jets. After that, I don't know how many games they're winning, but I do think they'll have a top 10 pick more than likely at this point in the 2021 draft. But let's get to an OG caller. We have Nameless, who must be calling in because we had a Nameless 2 call in the other week. So let's hear what Nameless has after a while. Hey, guys, this is Nameless. It's been a while. haven't called in quite a while. But I just want to speak a little bit about this season and how it's unfolded. Uh, before the season, we said if we got any play out of Tyrod Taylor, if he could just kind of keep us out of trouble, we have such a good roster that we would have a decent season. Now, that all flipped upside down. We got Justin Herbert in. He's had a phenomenal season from the quarterback position, and the rest of the team collapses. I don't know what it is. It's just another Charger season. I really, truly believe this has been going on for like 30 years. Keenan Allen said it just recently. It's been happening ever since he's been there that this just happens. I believe this Spanos did somebody wrong somewhere along the line, maybe way back when, and somebody put a voodoo or a curse or a whammy on this team. I believe it. It's been happening forever, and this organization is cursed, cursed to the max. If you want a career, you want to have a successful career, get the heck out of this organization. Thanks, guys. Still a Charger fan? I don't know. I must love the misery. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Out. So I will say that I do think it's kind of crazy that we were saying, you know, if Tyrod Taylor can come out there and just play pretty well, the Chargers as a team were talented enough to have a decent season. It's really not looking like that at all right now. Justin Herbert's obviously coming off of a bad game, but everyone has bad games. I mean, look at Russell Wilson, what he did last week. Two interceptions, right, and only 248 passing yards, no touchdowns. If Justin Herbert did that, we'd be freaking out. Tom Brady against a defense that Justin Herbert threw four touchdowns against with zero interceptions against the Saints a couple of weeks ago. Had 209 yards, three interceptions. No touchdowns. So I would just say don't freak out about Justin Herbert yet. But yes, this team is definitely cursed. The Spanoses probably did have some sort of voodoo happen to them. But let's get to the next voicemail. This one we have Zach from Florida. It's been a while, Zach. Let's see what he has for us this week. Hey, guys. Zach from Florida here. So I know I call a lot, but I had a player question for you. What has happened to Mike Williams? Now, I know years ago, he had double-digit touchdowns, and last season he had over, I believe, a 1,000 yards. But even with those two different seasons, and this season, it seems like he's never really stood out as a number two receiver. It just seems like he's disappeared into the background of every other Chargers receiver, period. I don't know. He's always playing, but it seems like... At times, you forget that he's on the team. And this was a player that we picked in the first round over future QBs like Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. So I just wanted to know your thoughts on my question about why hasn't Mike Williams done anything to stand out on this team in the receiving group? Have a good day and bolt up. So I think this is a fair question because I don't think that Mike Williams has obviously lived up to his seventh overall, you know, draft pick that he was picked originally. And I think that's, you know, it is what it is at that point. Obviously they didn't get Patrick Mahomes. 
that didn't get Deshaun Watson. They ended up with Justin Herbert, which is a pretty good consolation prize. But it's hard for me, David, because you you don't pick a guy that high unless he's going to be a number one receiver. And just with the inconsistency that we've seen from Mike Williams, his lack of being able to get consistent separation and really only working best when you're throwing up risky passes to him, it's kind of hard to evaluate how they've hit on that pick or not. Yeah, it definitely is hard, and, and I would say if you're 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 looking at picking seventh overall and picking a wide receiver, has he lived up to that billing? I would say no, but I would also counter that with saying that any time the Chargers needed a big play, they looked at Mike Williams, and more often than not, he did come down with the football. So we have to give him credit for that. He also is a, a very tough guy. He's played through a lot a litany of injuries as well, which you could be a plus or a man a minus, but. I don't think he's lived up to the billing, but I do believe the Chargers are in a situation where they should probably extend him because they don't have a lot of other talent behind him. Oof, I don't know about that. Just because I think that in his mind, he's going to want wide receiver money, wide receiver one money, and I don't think he's going to do it. Maybe some team is wowed by the great catches, but for all the great catches that he's made, there's been just as many that he's dropped too, you know, and it would have been crazy catches if he makes them. But I just think if really the only thing that you truly excel at is 50, 50 balls and you have a quarterback like Justin Herbert, that's not going to check it up. Like Phillip rivers did last year. I mean, that's the only thing that worried about me about his thousand yard season is I knew the production wasn't sustainable because you're not always going to have a quarterback out there. That's just going to chuck it up. And sometimes it's going to get intercepted and sometimes he's going to catch it. So it does worry me that with the injuries, he's going to be making about $10 million or more. I think it's like $14 million next season already just on his fifth-year option. I don't know how the Chargers could re-sign him at this point, but obviously a lot can change, and his relationship with Herbert could get a lot better by the end of that season. But let's move on to the last one here. This is David calling in from New York. Let's see what David has for us. Hey, my name is David. I'm calling from New York. Uh, I just started listening to you guys this year. You do a great job. Uh, as much as I want to talk about the uh, ineptitude of this coaching staff, you know, starting with uh, Gus Bradley, George Stewart, and even Anthony Lynn, who's supposed to be this great motivator, yet we choke every single time in close games, I want to ask you guys if you think at this point it would be a good decision to shut down Joey Bosa for the year, put him on IR, uh, let him rest. You know, he's got that injury history with the uh, the bad foot, the bad finger, the bad neck and now he's got these concussions, wouldn't it just make sense now that they got him locked up um, with a big contract just to shut down, let him heal, and uh, hit the ground running next season? All right, I appreciate it. Talk to you guys later. So I, I don't think you can sit down, Joey Bosa, and I have some reasons for that. But, David, I know that you felt strongly about this one. So why is it that you're so against you know a player like Joey Bosa sitting for the rest of the season, even if he's able to come back healthy soon? Yeah, I mean, one thing I want to go over just with a lot of people out there is talking about how Joey Bosa is a waste of money because he's been out a couple of games from (laughs) a a concussion. I haven't I mean, really guys, even seen that. That's ridiculous. I, I have, though, and that's the the scariest thing is is I've seen people with that take. Like, you got to understand, like, this has, the team has no control over this, like, whatsoever. An independent neurologist has to clear Joey Bosa before he is able to play for the football team once again. The team doctors have absolutely no say. And also, as far as Joey Bosa getting sat, I, I just hate that idea. I, I really do not like a player healthy – getting scratched because also I mean these guys can get hurt at any time and they get paid millions and millions and millions of dollars to play a game so I just I expect them when they're healthy to go out there and strap it up and go play football 
Yeah, I mean, the million dollars to play a game thing is always something that has bothered me because obviously we would all do that, but we also don't know what these players are, have any idea what these players are going through on a weekly basis. And obviously this isn't a Joey Bosa want-to thing. Joey Bosa has no control over whether he plays or not or whether they would decide to sit him for the rest of the season given the amount of injuries he's already had this year, which have been numerous to say the least. But I just think that the biggest part of this that we can't ignore is just the fact that if you sit one player like that that's healthy, what is the message that you send to the rest of your team? I mean, you're basically just saying to them, this guy is more important than you, and we're willing to risk your bodies on the field, but we're not willing to risk his body on the field because we have too much money invested in him long term. So I think that's really the take there that I would go with. I agree with you, honestly. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, so for me, I mean, it's just like you can't, you just can't do it. It's one thing, you know, for Derwin James, for example. Like, should Derwin James, even if he can get, you know, pretty much healthy by week 17, go out there and play in week 17, coming off of what we thought was a season-ending injury? Obviously not. But if it's somebody, especially right now, with seven games remaining and a guy we think could be back as soon as this week, you just can't send that message to your team that one guy is going to get preferential treatment and you're going to save his body instead of their bodies. And I think that's the biggest way that you could lose guys in the locker room is by doing something like that. So I understand, you know, the logic there is like why use Joey Bosa in a pointless season just to potentially, you know, add on to the list of bad injuries he's already had. But you just can't send that message to the team. And I know that this team appreciates how hard Joey Bosa goes out there and works even after he got that massive contract. But thank you guys again for the voicemails. That is going to wrap it up for today's show. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow because it's crossover Thursday. So we're going to be talking with the Locked On Jets podcast. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On LAC and to like the Facebook page Locked On Chargers as well as subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts or giving us a follow on Spotify. Wherever you get your podcast from, you can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. And by subscribing, you get the show the fastest and easiest way that you can get it. So if you guys didn't hear the number before, the voicemail line is 323-524-7924. We usually record voicemail shows on Tuesday night. So try to get them in between Sunday and Tuesday so we can get them on the show and try to keep them tight. The shorter they are, the more likely they are to get on the show. But we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.